Hi, Journey. As Pastor Christian said, I'm Mike Evans, and I serve here as the family pastor, and we are so glad that you've joined with us here today. Just want to say this before I jump in. Wasn't that student ministry worship team incredible? I cannot wait for June the 10th, Wednesday night, June the 10th, to get back together with them worshiping. I love worshiping with our high school students. So that's going to be such an amazing time. You know, I have a hunch here this morning that you turned on your television or fired up your phone for, for a very specific reason. And that reason is this, that you wanted to be encouraged. You wanted to kind of get a spiritual boost this morning. And, and that's what I'm hoping to give you today. That's what we're hoping through this whole service today to, to, to help you to experience, to get a spiritual boost. And if you're a follower of Jesus, um, I hope this service takes you one step deeper in your relationship with Jesus. And if you're here today and you're not yet a follower, follower of Jesus. Just want you to know that we prayed for you this morning and we want our prayer for you is that you would take one step closer to Jesus in your in your journey towards him. So, like I said a minute ago, we are in the middle of, we are in a series called One Another, and today is week three, the final week of this series, um, and I'm going to be talking about um, the scripture, um, a group of scriptures that that are all about encouraging one another. You know, the thing is, though, isn't it, that, that we have, this is now Sunday number 12 that we've not been together. And I know for many of you, because I've spoken and had spent time with many of you, that this has not been the most encouraging three months of your life. In fact, if you were to be really honest with me, you would say this has been a really discouraging season in your journey. And, and uh, you know, I just want to say a couple of things to you this morning as we get started. And number one is this, that um, you're not alone. There are a lot of people that this has been a really hard season that that you've been in. And discouragement is common. Discouragement is universal. You know, even the most positive and optimistic of us have seasons where we get down, seasons where we get into a bit of a funk. And And if that's you today, I just want you to know that you're not alone. And some of you have been discouraged for so long, though, that you haven't been able to shake this, this feeling or this kind of state that you're in. And I'm praying that today we can kind of maybe help you take one step out of that discouraging uh, place you're in to a place of encouragement. But you may be asking yourself this morning, why am I so discouraged? Like, what is it about this season that's got me so down? And I want to maybe try to answer that question in a few ways. Um, why am I discouraged? Maybe the first reason that you might be discouraged is because of emotional fatigue. You know, when this all started in early March, you probably, you might have thought to yourself, okay, we're going to be kind of taking a pause here for a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so. And, you know, I can, I can hang in there for a month. I can, you know, stay at home more and wash my hands more and do all the things that I need to do to kind of protect myself and my loved ones for a month. But as this one month became two and now two months is working towards three, there's this emotional fatigue that has kind of set in with you. And, you know, I had a friend say to me um, just recently, uh, Mike, I'm so fatigued all the time because there's nothing normal about my life anymore. You know, this year has not uh, turned out like we any of us had been planning when the year started. I, I think of you parents who have small children or maybe elementary school children where you're at ho- you're homeschooling rather than sending your kids to, to school and, and life is so different. You're, you're used to going to work and now you're working from home and it's just all so different. And over the course of one month becoming two and two months becoming three, that has kind of created an emotional fatigue for you. I know for me, my mom lives 
lives in an assisted living facility down in Texas and, and she's been locked down and my brother and his wife and I, I has not been able to like hug her or spend time directly with her um, except on FaceTime and, and kind of talking through the window there. And, and that's created some emotional fatigue for us. And whatever way this season has affected your heart, just to know this, that emotional fatigue is a real thing. Maybe this is also something that's discouraged you, the mental frustration of this time that's accompanied this season. You know, I think it's safe to say that this has been an incredibly complicated season, hasn't it? I mean, how many of us have made a plan to say, okay, this is what we're going to do next week. This is what we're going to do next month, only to have a decision be made or a spike in the virus hit and everything change and you have to kind of readjust. I can't tell you how many times we have had to do that here at Journey in our, in all the different ministry areas. I oversee student ministry and today is actually the day that we were supposed to be at Panama City Beach, Florida, beginning our Beach Bash summer camp. I'm not in Florida. I'm not at Beach Bash summer camp. And we tried really hard to find ways later in the summer to, to plan activities or to plan camp down in summer. And it just kind of never, as we continue to try to plan things, it just became really clear to us that, man, it's just not going to work out this year. And that's a really, really mentally frustrating thing for me. I, like Pastor Christian, have gone to camp every summer since I was in the sixth grade. So this will be the first summer that that doesn't happen for me. And even though that's the right decision, no camp, no jam week, no Israel trip, no Guatemala trip, all those different things, even though those are the right decisions, that doesn't mean that they don't kind of bring with them a sense of mental frustration. You know, I had a friend say to me, Mike, I'm so frustrated because there's nothing simple about life anymore. Maybe you've been emotionally fatigued. Maybe you've been mentally frustrated. Maybe you've also experienced some life losses as a result of this experience that we've all been in. You know, I've talked with people who've experienced major financial losses, who've lost their jobs, who've obviously working with students. We have the most incredible group of seniors that we've ever had in the history of our church here at Journey. And they they didn't get to play baseball or, or soccer this 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 spring, you know, they didn't get to go to prom. They didn't. Uh, they haven't had graduation, and they may not have it at all. So many things that our students have lost. This is the month of graduation parties. I spend every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It seems in the month of May, going to grad parties of all the seniors that that I know. And I've been to no grad parties this year. And this curveball this season has thrown us, you guys, has been tough. And maybe you're discouraged because there's so many things that you expected to experience that you've now missed. Wherever you're at, you know, there's lots of, as I share all these things, I'm kind of getting even more discouraged myself. So we need to kind of maybe transition here. But here's kind of an interesting thing about this season that I've noticed as well. As I was kind of talking with my wife, Wendy, about uh, what I was going to be sharing here with you this morning. And I was talking, I talked her through those, those three uh, different areas of discouragement. She looked at me and she said, uh, well, Mike, I hate to rain on your discouragement parade, but I'm actually not discouraged at all. Some of you out there, you've loved this time. I'm telling you, we've had, my wife, who's a school teacher, um, has been, I don't want to say she's been off, but life has not been quite as challenging for my wife as a PE teacher uh, during this quarantine season. She's gotten so, she's kind of more introverted and she has loved the freedom she's had to do all kinds of different house projects in my house. Right now, I have light fixtures out in my, in my master bathroom. I have wallpaper halfway done. She just painted it. It's amazing. Our house, it's, it's, she's in project 
heaven right now. She also loves having all our kids at home. And so, yeah, she's just loved this time. And she's a little bit more of an introverted person. And, you know, when you, if you're an introverted person with us today, maybe this is a little bit of your experience. You know, you when you found out that coronavirus is going to do its thing and uh, you saw this, you thought this thought to prevent coronavirus, stay at home and avoid large crowds. That's what you heard. And as an introvert, you thought this, I've been preparing for this moment my entire life. Some of you introverts out there, you're not discouraged at all. This has been awesome for you. I'm not an introvert. This has not been awesome for me. In fact, this one kind of explains me a little bit more. Check on your extroverted friends, guys, because we are not okay. <laughs> you know, anytime you get some wisdom from Harry and Lloyd in a message, you know it's, it's gonna be an okay sermon, right? Well, no matter where you are, I'm absolutely convinced that whether this has been an okay season for you or a super challenging season, every single person here today needs encouragement. And, and that kind of leads me to the two goals I have for the message today. The first one is this, to encourage you in the midst of this challenging season. I'm gonna share five different scriptures with you over the next few minutes. And the first two are specifically designed to encourage you in the midst of this season. And then the second goal I have for this message is to call you to encourage one another. It's because we're so encouraged, because of what Jesus has done for us, the call that we have as followers of Jesus is to encourage others. And we're gonna look at some scriptures that'll kind of take us there. But let's look at the first encouragement from the scripture here this morning. And that's this, that Jesus is alive and that he is coming back. Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter four, he writes these thoughts. He says, brothers and sisters, so he's writing to other Christians, of course. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. He goes on to say this, for we believe, and he kind of gives a little creed here. He gives a little, this is what we believe as followers of Jesus. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And check out what he says. He says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, when I read this text as I was preparing for this message, I thought, wow, I really needed this passage. I really needed to hear and to read what this passage says today in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of all the chaos and the weirdness and the craziness this season has brought to us. It is so incredibly comforting to me and hopefully encouraging to you as well to know that no matter how chaotic and strange and crazy this season has been, these truths hold firm. Number one, that God loves you, that God loves us that God loves me and he loves you, that there's absolutely nothing, you guys, that, that you could do that could cause God to love you more than he does. And there's nothing that you could do that could cause God to love you less than he does at this very moment. You are deeply loved by a God who created you for a relationship with himself. The second truth that this scripture teaches is, is this, that Jesus is alive, that victory is his, that he came back 2000 years ago to live that perfect life and to die that unjust and cruel and undeserved death and to rise again from the dead to prove that he was God. He came then as servant, but he's coming back as king. And that's the next point that he's coming back, that Jesus will return. So the point of this whole thing here is 
that let, to let the scripture, to let what we call the gospel, the wonderful news of God's love and forgiveness, to let, let that be the foundational source of encouragement, encouragement for you through this season that we are all in together. You know, one of the great thinkers and apologists of our day, um, his name is Ravi Zacharias, um, had a profound impact on my life as well. He just passed away about 10 days ago. And in one of his, one of my favorite books that he wrote called The Grand Weaver, Ravi Zacharias wrote these words. And I think they're pretty appropriate for us this morning. He wrote, herein lies the cardinal difference between the moralizing religions and Jesus' offer to us. Jesus does not offer to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Christianity is not a self-help philosophy just to help you get to make a bad person a little bit better? No, that's not what Christianity is at all. It's a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ to make dead people live to make lost people found, to make blind people see. That's the beauty of this message, you know? And Ravi Zacharias is extremely important to me and very personal to me because he's had an impact on my my family's life personally. When my wife, Wendy, was 15 years old, she grew up in a little farm town in north central Ohio. And um, they had a Catholic background, but they weren't church-going people at all. And, and when Wendy was a sophomore, a friend of hers um, invited her to an evening service at um, her friend's church, at her friend Kendra's church. Um, and at that service, it was a special service. It was called a revival. Wendy didn't know what that was, but that's what it was. And at the service, the speaker was a young 30-something preacher who was also a seminary student named Ravi Zacharias. In this picture, he has gray hair, but back then his hair was fully black. And as Ravi Zacharias shared the good news of God's love and forgiveness that evening, my wife gave her heart to Jesus. Ravi led my wife to Christ. And so it's super personal to me, um, my love for him. He wrote a book called Can Man Live Without God that helped me deeply in my journey, uh, in my relationship with God. His ministry and his story and his message has impacted my life deeply. You guys, Jesus loves you. Jesus is coming back again. And let that be the first source of encouragement to you today. Let me share with you another encouragement from God's word. This is, um, and that, this is this, that, that he's not going anywhere, that God is not going anywhere. Um, one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible is in Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. Um, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? You know, if you break this word never down, this never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. If you read it in the original Greek language, it literally reads like this. Never not you, never not you. Never not you will I leave, never not you will I forsake. It's like a, it's like a double negative. You know, if you know math at all, you know, if you see a double negative, that makes it a what? It makes it a positive. 
Well, in English, it's not quite like that. If you say a double negative in English, then, you know, it's not, not necessarily a positive. Like I remember when I was a kid one time and we had this little annoying dog um, named Sassy and, one, and Sassy loved to get out of our backyard. If someone would leave the door open, uh, the gate to the fence open in the backyard, Sassy was just gone. And one time I remember Sassy, um, or I left the gate door open and Sassy got out and my mom, she's a sweet, sweet lady from Central Texas. She's got a little bit of a drawl and she said, Michael, did you let that dog out? And I was like, mama, I ain't done nothing wrong. That's literally what I said to her. It's a double negative. I didn't mean it was a positive, but you know what? I had done something wrong. I had left the gate open, of course. <laughs> Listen to me. Never, not you, will Jesus leave you. Never, not you, will Jesus forsake you. What does that mean? Forever, you belong to him. Always, you belong to him if you are a follower of Jesus. And what should that do to your heart? What should that do to, what does that do to my heart as I think about that truth that never not me will Jesus leave? Never not me will Jesus forsake? Man, it encourages me at the depths of my soul. It just gives life to me. You know, I've had the, the opportunity over the past eight or nine months to um, be a part of a group where we have been one anothering one another in spiritual community. We, I've been leading our interns through a, through a study called Followers Made. Every Wednesday night at nine o'clock, uh, we meet on, we've been meeting on Zoom, of course, for the last few months, um, going through different books. And one of the books that we went through, uh, we went through as a Followers Made group this year is called The Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. And in that book, Keller writes this, and I, and uh, he writes this, he says, would you please be open to the possibility that the gospel, that real Christianity, what we've been talking about here this morning is something very different from religion. That gives many people hope that there is a way to know God that doesn't lead to moralism and religiosity. You know, and we've been reading uh, material from guys like Keller over the past uh, many months, and it has encouraged us together as we've wrestled with the truths in these books and also in God's word together in spiritual community. And what's happened in this group is as we've kind of one anothered each other, um, as we have grown close, close, close together. Just this past week in our Followers May group, one of the things that... um, I'll do every once in a while is I'll go, okay, guys, put your book aside, put your Bible aside, and we're gonna talk about it. I'm just gonna throw a couple of questions out and we're gonna talk about those questions. And uh, just a, uh, just last week, I did that. Um, I said, put your book away. I'm gonna ask a question and then we're gonna, we're gonna do this exercise together. And what I did was this. I said, okay, we're gonna put a person in the middle and we're gonna, and, and Justin or Riley or Tucker or one of the interns, you're gonna be in the middle and everyone in the group is gonna say at least one thing that encourages them about you. And as we did that, nine different students or nine different college kids sitting in the middle and all the other people sharing encouraging thoughts about them uh, to them, what happened was community. What happened were tears. What happens was a ton of laughter and some funny stories and maybe some stories that we can't repeat in church, but they weren't inappropriate. They were just kind of inside joke types of stories. And uh, it was unbelievable. And that's what happens when people do life together in spiritual community. Their hearts are just deeply encouraged. Here's another thing that encouragement does from the scriptures. Encouraging one another builds others up. Paul wrote this in the, his letter to the church in Thessalonica. If you turn from 1 Thess 4 to 1 Thess 5, he said this. Um, he was talking about the end times. He's talking about Jesus is coming back. And at the end of that little diatribe he shares there, he says, it says this. 
It said, Paul wrote, so encourage each other and build each other up. How important is it in this world we live in today to be people who are life-giving and build one another up? So, so very important. I remember um, a conversation I had with Pastor Christian a couple of years ago in March of 2018. Um, I'd been involved in prior to that, um, in the two or three years prior to that, in some of the most challenging years in my entire ministry, some of the most painful years in my entire ministry. Um, up until 2016, I had been leading a church that I'd planted, and uh, and the and it was a great experience. Uh, met and got to know and minister to so so many people who I still love dearly uh, to this day. But towards the end of that journey, I began to experience kind of what I talked about at the beginning of this message, emotional fatigue um, and mental frustration and all kinds of different things that that kind of led me to have to, um, for the sake of just my soul, to step out of um, full-time church ministry. And and I did that in 2016. And for the next couple of years, I just kind of healed and kind of caught my breath spiritually. And and, uh, we had been attending Journey uh, for about a year at that time. And uh, we were kind of heading into 2018. And I started to sense from the Lord that, my heart was getting better. I was finding myself in a better place. And uh, I began to think about sticking my toe kind of back into the pastoral ministry water. Um, Pastor Kyle had asked me to teach some in student ministry. Um, we'd gotten connected with some folks here at Journey. And, and uh, it was just beginning to kind of, feel, kind of feel myself again a little bit. And I, I grabbed some time with Pastor Christian and also Pastor Scott um, one, uh, af- one Wednesday afternoon. I still remember it. And I just sat down with... Uh, with Pastor Christian, with PC, and I just kind of told him what I just told you. It's been a painful last few years. I feel like God has helped me to catch my spiritual breath, and um, I feel like I'm in a place now to stick my toe in the water, and I just, I don't even know what it means, but um, if, if you guys could use me in some way, part-time as an intern. Um, I have a teaching job. I'm fine. Um, but I would love to just maybe see what the Lord would want to do. And I remember as, as I was sharing this with Pastor Christian, um, he was kind of, he kind of has this expression, um, that he'll give, give you sometimes where you know he's got something to say and he's just kind of waiting for you to stop talking so he can tell you what he's, what he's thinking. Um, this, you know, his toe kind of taps a little bit and, and I didn't realize this about him then, but I do now. Um, love you, PC. <laughs> but uh, um, I kind of stopped talking and kind of got quiet. And he just looked at me and he said, Mike, it's so funny that you say this to us because we've been talking about you for a while. We've been thinking about you and praying for you and wondering if you wouldn't be open to considering joining our team as one of our pastors. Guys, I had no idea this was coming and was completely shocked by the question. And I remember him saying to me, um, after I kind of shared my heart with him, saying to me, Mike, we wouldn't ask you this if we didn't think you could do it. We didn't, wouldn't ask you this if we didn't believe in you. And we didn't, wouldn't ask you this if we didn't think that this was something that God wanted you to consider doing um, uh, with all of our hearts. And we would love you to join our team if you would consider it. And I remember just feeling so built up by that conversation and just so, like I said, encouraged by that conversation. There was a belief in me. And I remember thinking that if this guy believes enough in me and his team believes enough in me, then okay, I won't just stick my toe back in that pastoral water, but I'll dive in. And I'm going to tell you, I'm here to tell you today that after a little over two years of serving here, it's some have been the two best years ever in my life in ministry. And I believe with all of my heart that the best is yet to come. It is amazing what you can do when people believe in you. Isn't it? 
so amazing what you can do when people believe in you. Your encouragement can impact people in a way that you can't possibly imagine. The power of words is huge. James chapter three talks about that, the tongue being a fire and able to move mountains with its ability. Your heart and your words have the incredible power to encourage, to build others up. This morning, if you're a coach, your words in your life has the power to, to find the good and to breathe words of life into the athletes and into the students that you coach or other people that you coach. If you're a parent today, maybe your most important role in the life of your child, in the life of your son, in the life of your daughter is that they know that you believe in them, that you are here to encourage them and that no matter what happens in life, you've always got their back and you'll always be in their corner. If you're a business leader or a nonprofit leader, or maybe you're a small group leader, you lead anyone, anywhere, in any kind of way, can I just say this? Your role is to be an encouragement to the people that you lead. I love how the author Maya Angelou says it here, and um, maybe you've heard this quote before. She said, people will forget what you said. Will, they will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Think about that. Think about people who make you feel better, about people who make you feel like you can do things that you don't, didn't believe you could do before. Guys, that's, that's who God has called us to be as his followers. When the scripture says to encourage one another, that's literally what it means to give courage, to give confidence to other people who may not have it before you give it to them. I remember a few months ago, before the coronavirus kind of took hold in our culture, we, were in a, we had a staff uh, development day with uh, Pastor Jimmy Dodd. Many of you know Jimmy. Um, he's going to be coming to share with us, I think, in, um, this summer a little bit uh, from God's Word, and you're going to be blessed by him again. But he had us as a staff do this exercise. He, he gave us this, um, this, it was blank when he gave it to us, but he gave us these like canvases and we painted it. I'm not artistic at all, but he, we painted it and I painted it black and then I put my handprint right here. And then he, what he had us do, he, said, he had us go around to all the different staff people um, on our team and put our thumbprints on it and then to write a word about that other person. And I remember doing this exercise, it was it was just so quiet in the room. We just had some music going on and everybody went around and I did it too, where I'd put my thumbprint on someone else's uh, canvas and then write a word that I thought about them. Can I just tell you that this is treasured to me? Like if there was a fire that happened in my house, this would be one of the first things I would go get. It sits in my office and I see it. And when I'm ever discouraged, when I'm ever down, I'll look at this and I'll see words like enthusiastic and passionate and joyful and humble. And I'll just go, you know, I may not feel that in my own heart, but there's other people who feel that way about me. So I'm gonna believe what they say. And I'm gonna believe more importantly what God's word says. And I'm gonna believe the truth about what God says. There's so much power in, in encouragement. A little homework assignment for you maybe. Next time you're at the dinner table with your family, next time you're with a, in a, on a Zoom call with a, with a group of friends, next time you're at work and you're just sitting over lunch, rather than just talking about sports, which there's nothing to talk about there right now, of course, <laughs> um, rather than talking about something innocuous, do this, say, hey, Pick somebody at the table and say, everyone gets to say at least one encouraging thing about that person. Do that and see what that does to the environment of your workplace, of your family, of your life. I would encourage you to do that very much.
Here's one other thought, real quickly, um, another encouragement from the scripture. Encourage one another, encouraging one another can keep you from sin. Uh, the author of Hebrews writes, this way, writes it this way in Hebrews chapter three, verse 13. He says, but encourage one another as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by, sin, by sin's deceitfulness. Sometimes when I read scripture, I'll, I'll put on, on the margin. I'll, I write it in the, my Bible all the time. I write it in every book I read. Um, um, but I, I'll write the letters YBH. And what that means to me is the words, yes, but how? And I remember the first time I read this passage about encouraging one another so you won't be hardened by sin. I wrote YBH because I, I wanted to understand the link between how does like being encouraging other people keep you from being hardened by sin? And as I studied and as I thought about that and read some other scriptures related to it, here's kind of the conclusion I came to. You can't be life-giving and living in sin at the same time. You can't be life-giving and living in sin at the same time. There's not room for the cancer of sin that grows in, inside of so many of us and, and all of us that, that's intent and, and passion and desires to destroy us. You can't be encouraging of people and, and have that cancer growing as well. And that's what the scripture is really teaching. If you're an encouraging person, a life-giving person to others, your heart's gonna stay soft. It's not gonna be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. You know, some of you here today, just want to speak directly to you who are not involved in spiritual community. You're not involved in an environment where you have the opportunity to one another with others. And some of you are not involved in spiritual community because your hardness of heart, your sins have made you feel like you're not worthy to be in a group, that you're kind of disqualified because of your sin to be in a group. And I want to just say this to you. Some I don't want you to believe that. And certainly God doesn't want you to believe that. So often we'll, buy, we'll, we'll believe the lie that we have to kind of clean, our act, clean ourselves up, get our acts together before we engage in spiritual community when actually the opposite is true. The truth is that we come to God and we come to the community with our mess and we let Jesus fix us and we let the community help in that process. That's what we do in spiritual community. And if you're not in spiritual community right now, then then maybe it's because you don't feel like you're worthy. I mean, can I just say, don't buy the lie. Get engaged with people. They will help you get right with God and they will help you get right with each other. Maybe another reason you might not be, some of you who are not engaged in spiritual community right now, maybe the reason you're not engaged in it is because um, your heart is so hard that you just, you're just not interested in it. Maybe you've tried to get engaged in spiritual community before and it just hasn't worked. Maybe you felt judged or condemned or maybe you felt like you just didn't belong, whatever it might be. I would say to you, you know, I can understand sometimes the first shot isn't the shot that's gonna like be a home run, <laughs> you know? But keep trying, keep looking, keep seeking, you know, and, and over time, God will show you the right people and the right group that you can do life with and do community with. Um, one last, one last um, encouragement from the scripture that I'd like to share with you, and that's this. Encouraging one another is part of being a spiritual grown-up. Paul writes it this way in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, Verse 11, he says this, he says, dear brothers and sisters, again, writing to a church that he helped to start and led and loved very much. He says, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. There is a link 
between living a life of joy, living a life of joy, and living a life of maturity as a follower of Jesus, and having a heart that's passionate about encouraging other people. And if you want to grow up spiritually, one of the best ways to do that is to not think first of yourself but to consider others as more important than yourself and to look for ways to encourage them every day of your life. To say, God, help me today to live an others first day, to be life-giving, to, to be practically, to practically speaking, to find ways to encourage one another. I'm gonna close this series just kind of right, reminding you, Pastor Ryan, two weeks ago, talked to us so well about loving one another from God's word in his heart. And then Pastor Christian last week talked about gathering together and how we shouldn't give up meeting together, but we should continue to be passionate about the gathering of the people of God. Today, I've tried my best to encourage you in your own walk with God and to challenge and maybe equip you a little bit to encourage one another. And hopefully that's what's happened today, that you've learned some things about being more encouraging to others um, because of what God has done in your life. So as we move into this next season at Journey, next week, believe it or not, many of you are going to have the opportunity to actually gather, whether it's in, in the auditorium here at JCI, over at Summit Christian, out on our patio in another room, in some way, some form or fashion at 8, 9, 30, 11, you're going to have the opportunity to do that. And it's going to be fun. It might be a little awkward for some. It might be a little strange for all of us to kind of be together, socially distanced in a room together. But let's believe the best in each other and look for ways to breathe life into each other through this season and look for ways to encourage one another so much that when others see you and when others see us as journey, they think this thought. They think, hey, that Christian or that group of people or that church those people are so life-giving and so encouraging. They must go to journey. That's really the prayer that I have for you and I have for us. Wouldn't that be cool if that's how we were known? Let's pray together to that end that that would be how we are known. Will you pray with me right where you are, in your home or wherever it is you're watching today? Lord Jesus, I thank you, first of all, that you love us. I thank you, Jesus, that you lived that perfect life and you died that unjust and undeserved and cruel death on the cross, but you didn't stay on that cross. You rose again from the dead to demonstrate victory over sin and death. And because of who you are and because of what you've done, we have the privilege of living in a world where Jesus is alive where you're not going anywhere. You're here. You're not silent. God, I thank you for the privilege we have as followers of Jesus to be life-giving, to, to breathe words of encouragement into others. Help us, God, every single day of our lives to have an others-first mentality and encouraging of others first. And Lord, even this right now, I want to pray for those who are discouraged, whether it's from emotional fatigue, mental frustration, life losses, or another thing that's got them just in a place that's very difficult. Would you be an ever-present help to them in their deep time of need? Would you put someone alongside them to encourage them and to give life to them from your word and from your heart? And God, as we get ready to come back together physically, Lord, I pray that it would be an awesome reunion 
I pray there'd be an awesome week next week and in the weeks to come, that you'd keep us safe. And Lord, I pray more than all, more than anything, that you would be honored in and through our life and in in and through our witness as a church here at Journey Church International. That when people think of us, they think, man, those people know how to give life and encourage. We pray these things in Jesus' name.